Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information. And at first, the Dallas Mavericks have become the first known team to stop playing the national anthem before home games. That's our lead story for this morning's Buzzcast. It is Wednesday, February 10th. Good morning. I'm Abe Madcore. Hope everybody is doing well and having a good week. Yes, this broke overnight that the Mavericks have stopped playing the national anthem before home games at the direction of team owner Mark Cuban. This is a story and will continue to have a long news cycle. The Mavericks do not plan to resume the tradition of playing the anthem before games in the future. Cuban said that he made the decision in November after consulting with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, and the Mavericks did not announce a change in policy, but the anthem has not been played before any of their 13 preseason and regular season games at American Airlines Center so far this season. It only got noticed after Monday night's game when fans were allowed in the venue for the first time. Internally, within the organization, there was surprise that it took 13 games for anyone to notice. During these home games, the team has played God Bless America rather than the national anthem. The Mavericks have informed other teams that they would not be playing the anthem, and they said they received no complaints. So again, this story surely to have a long news cycle. Other organizations will be asked their plans and will have to react to this. Let's move to the Olympics because NBC will announce its plans to cover the Olympic ceremony from Tokyo on Friday, July 23rd. They will create a full day of Olympic programming on NBC. So remember, there was a 13-hour time difference. Tokyo's 13 hours ahead of the East Coast in the United States. So that Friday, July 23rd, will begin with NBC's first ever live morning broadcast of the opening ceremony, which will be followed by a special edition of the Today Show. And then NBC will go Olympic daytime programming all day for the first time ever. So the Tokyo Olympic ceremony broadcasts live on NBC across all time zones, on the morning of Friday, July 23rd, starting at 6.55 a.m., it marks the first time NBC Olympics will broadcast an Olympic ceremony live in the morning. Also, in an interview with our John Aran, NBC's Olympic producer Molly Solomon sounded very optimistic that the summer games will take place, saying that leagues like the NFL and MLB and the NHL have provided a blueprint on how to conduct competition safely. So NBC today will roll out the initial plans of their Olympic coverage, obviously very hopeful and optimistic that the summer games will take place. Let's put a bow on Super Bowl 55 because the final numbers are in. And CBS, now just for CBS's linear network, averaged around 91.6 million TV-only viewers for the Buccaneers' win on Sunday. That's the game's lowest TV viewership since 2006. That was Steelers-Seahawks. That averaged 90.7 million viewers. That game was on ABC. This year's number of 91.6 on CBS only 
is down from just over 100 million TV-only viewers for the Chiefs 49ers game, which was on Fox last year. But when CBS rolls it all up, that includes CBS, that includes digital, that includes mobile, that includes numbers on ESPN Deportes, the number is 96.4 million viewers. That's the number you'll see most often reported, but that's still down from 102 million last year when Fox Sports rolled it all up. That included Fox Digital Mobile and Fox Deportes. Other notes of fact for the game, streaming was way up. Not surprisingly, streaming should be way up. It was up 65% over last year's game. Locally, Kansas City posted the highest rating of any TV market, followed surprisingly by Boston, Tampa St. Pete, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Norfolk, Virginia. Markets that didn't rate so well, Denver was down 13%, Milwaukee was down 13%, Sacramento down 13%, Houston also down 13%, and the Raleigh-Durham area actually down 14%. So seeing double-digit drops like that are pretty significant for a Super Bowl. A couple of other fun facts. The second most-watched channel in primetime on Super Bowl Sunday, can you guess? It was PBS, which aired its masterpiece dramas. Also, our John Oran noted that more than 2 million people turned into Animal Planet to watch the Puppy Bowl, and that was up actually 14% from last year. So overall, Super Bowl 55, ratings were down. They were expected to be down. Some people sounded surprised they were down so much. Many of us weren't. It was a blowout. There was less of a big game feel. Still a strong number for CBS, probably not the number they wanted, but still a very, very good number to average any time over 90 million television viewers. Shifting to Super Bowl sales, Fanatics said they sold more Tom Brady merchandise in the first three hours after Super Bowl 55 than any other player has ever sold within 24 hours of any Super Bowl. Brady also broke Fanatics' single-day record for memorabilia sales for an individual athlete. Since the Super Bowl, Brady merchandise has sold best in Tampa, followed by New York, and the third best-selling market for Brady merchandise, Boston. Now let's shift to sales inside the stadium at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday because Legends handled merchandise and concession sales. They established a record of $80 for game day Super Bowl per cap sales. That's a huge figure. That topped $58 established at Super Bowl 50. Legends also operated that business. That, of course, was at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. That was Denver and Carolina. But an $80 per cap sales figure at a Super Bowl, it's very strong. Our Terry Lefton hypothesized that because the few fans who were in there really wanted some merchandise to show that they were there, that drove sales. So they wanted product to show and to signify that they were at a game with fewer than a third in attendance for a regular Super Bowl. But Legends establishing a record $80 for game day Super Bowl per cap on Sunday. Let's end with a few quick hitters. Circuit of the Americas has retained Elevate Sports Ventures to help it on ticketing and premium hospitality. At the venue, the venue pretty much went dormant in 2020 because of COVID, but the Austin track should host a NASCAR race, a Formula One race, and MotoGP scheduled for this year, and it has brought on Elevate Sports Ventures to help on its ticketing and premium hospitality. And the return of Brian Burke. Brian Burke is one of the most colorful and interesting figures in the world of hockey. I've long been fond of him. I actually just picked up his autobiography that was recently released 
I was surprised yesterday when he was announced president of hockey operations at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Meanwhile, Ron Hextall was named general manager. Remember, the Penguins and Jim Rutherford parted ways last month. Brian Burke, like I said, an incredibly colorful figure. He has spent 31 years as an NHL executive. Most recently, he was with the Calgary Flames. But after the Flames, he started working for Rogers Media as a hockey analyst. He was really good, and reportedly, he really liked it. And again, he also released a book, detailing his career in hockey recently, but now he's back at it as president of the hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And finally, more sad news in the world of sports journalism today. I couldn't believe when I read last night that Yahoo Sports NFL writer Therese Paler passed away unexpectedly yesterday at the oh-so-young age of 37. He was a very established, well-respected NFL writer at Yahoo Sports. He first joined the KC Star as a sports writer in 2006, where I remember him on the Chiefs beat, and he quickly established himself as a national uh, voice and a national player in sports journalism. Again, very sad news passing away unexpectedly to Rez Paler at the young age of 37. Our thoughts are with his family and friends. Also, this just continues some sad news in the world of sports journalism after the loss of Seiko Smith and Pedro Gomez earlier this week. So again, sad days in sports journalism when we lose such talented figures at too young an age. So that is your morning buzzcast for Wednesday, February 10th. I'm Abe Madcore. Hope everybody has a healthy day, a safe day. Please be good to each other, and I'll speak to you tomorrow. Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information.